Thanks for listening. The following is an audio presentation from High Country Christian Church. For more information, please visit www.highcountrychristian.com. I believe we're growing in the things of God, and I believe that the Word of God is going to cause light bulbs to go off in your heart this morning. The Bible says in Psalm 119, says that the entrance of God's Word brings light. Have you ever taken a flashlight into a dark room? What happens? You see stuff. I was, uh, I'll tell this, I I was, um, the other night, my wife was walking to the bathroom, and because I'm a blockhead sometimes, she tripped over some of the stuff that I had. Uh, I, I've recently started to learn the bass guitar, and so uh, Brother Danny blessed me with this little amplifier, and I got it in my room, and I had pulled it off the wall and forgot that I'd left it there, and so my dear wife tripped over it on the way to the bathroom, and that was not her fault, it was mine, and I thought, you know, if I'd have turned the light on, she could have seen where she was going. Have you ever walked into a room, and because you've got light with you, you can see something that you would have otherwise tripped over? That is what the Word of God spoken to your heart will do for your life every single time. The Bible talks about us being tossed about to and fro by every wind of doctrine. There are, there are things that we hear in our lives that push us in all kinds of different directions. And if we're not guided by the light of God's Word, we're liable to trip and stumble over things in our lives. Have you ever found yourself constantly falling in the same area? Gosh, the Lord adjusted my sermon, and I I don't have any notes, so this is what, here, here it comes. Just get it while it's there. Have you ever found yourself tripping over the same thing in life? You ever find yourself stumbling in the same sin, stumbling with the same attitude, falling into the same pattern, falling into the same habit, and you just go, God, why can't I get over this? I'm here to tell you, you need to find out what the Word says about that issue, and God's, the word, God's Word will shine light so that you don't have to trip over that every single time. The entrance of His Word brings light. He says again in Psalm 119, Thy word, O Lord, is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. That tells me that the word is capable of two things. It's capable of showing me where I am and it's capable of showing me where I'm going. It's a lamp to my feet. So you know the difference between a lamp and a light. A lamp just kind of gives you a little ring of light. It just kind of shows you where you're at, but a flashlight has the ability to go down the road and show you where you're going. I'm here to tell you, if you'll get the Word of God working in your life, you'll see exactly where you are, and you'll see exactly where you're supposed to go. And when that happens, you won't trip over the same thing every single time. Victory is possible in every area of your life. You do not have to struggle with sin. You do not have to struggle with anxiety. You do not have to struggle with sickness and disease. God is the restorer of our lives. Psalm 103 says, well, let's just go there. I could quote it to you, but it would be better to look at it. And since I don't have any notes, we're just going to do what we're going to do. Blame it on the Holy Spirit, not me. It's not my fault. Amen. 
Psalm 103, watch what he says. There's a very specific line I want us to pay attention to this morning. And actually, this will be a perfect segue into the thing the Lord told me to talk to you about today. Psalm 103, we'll begin reading in verse 1. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Now, when we were kids, my sister and I used to say that that was the verse... Claire, pay attention. That was the verse that we would say when we started eating dinner and forgot to pray. We would say, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. So I'm, I'm just going to tell you, youngsters, that works. Okay, that's a good, it's a good prayer. Uh, amen. It worked for me for a lot of years. And, uh, you know, you just take it and run with it. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits who forgives all of our iniquities and who heals all of our diseases. Now, this is the verse I wanted to get to, verse 4. Who redeems your life from destruction. It is possible for you and I to have victory in every single area of life because God's intention is to redeem your life from destruction, not to put you in destruction. Jesus said it was the thief who came to steal and kill and destroy. Let's not get that confused. He said it was the thief that came to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. That's John chapter 10, verse 10, if you want to go read it later. It was the thief's job to steal and kill, but how many of you know God's not a thief? Amen. Jesus isn't a thief. He's the good shepherd. He's trustworthy. Think about that. I don't think, we, I don't think we think about that enough. That Jesus is trustworthy. He's trustworthy. I can trust him because he's trustworthy. He's worthy of my trust. If I can trust the chair that I sit in to hold me up, how much more can I trust my heavenly father. I was talking with a very good friend of mine just a couple days ago. We went to a coffee shop and we meant to sit down and talk for a little while. We ended up talking for like four hours. And he said during the conversation, he said, man, we, he said, we use faith all the time and we don't even realize it. Yet when it comes time to trust in God, we get this mental block that causes us to stumble. You, you get, you're putting trust in the chairs you're sitting in right now. If you're watching online, you're putting trust in the, the couch or, the, or the, the, the chair that you're sitting in. When you go get in your car after service is over, you're going to put the key in and you're going to turn it and you're going to trust that it turns on. If we are so capable of trusting the things around us, how much more should we be able to trust the Alpha and the Omega, man? The beginning and the end, the one who was and is and is to come, the one who is not a thief, the one who is the good shepherd, Glory to God. If I can trust people who have no good intentions for my life, how much more should I be able to trust God who gave his life for me? Come on. Anybody ever trusted somebody that didn't like you? Anybody ever put your trust in somebody that, that, that it wasn't mutual? How many of you have been burned by relationships? Yeah, okay, all of us, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah okay, all of us. Okay, how many? I can't, I'd put them all four up, but then I'd fall. 
I mean, we've all been there, right? Where we trust in somebody who didn't reciprocate that trust. Well, how much more can we trust the one who never failed? How much more can we trust the one who gave his very life for us? So he says, bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget not all his benefits. Who forgives my iniquities, watch verse 3, heals all my diseases. I'm going to talk to you for the next 28 minutes and 32 seconds. (laughs) I have a timer. I'm going to talk to you about healing. As I was driving in this morning, the Holy Spirit started to talk to me about healing. And I want to just set the record straight for us. It's been something, healing is... um, Healing is a doctrine, and it's a word, it's a a concept, and a topic in Scripture that really has become part of the DNA of our church here. We've been uh, now for seven years, of course, and and I want to say maybe four years ago, the Lord, was it four years ago maybe, that we started doing hope and healing services? I don't know. Probably about four years ago, the Lord put this vision in our heart that that our community needs hope and needs healing. So those two concepts have become very massive and very big concepts uh, uh, that are part of the DNA of High Country Christian Church. We're a church of hope, and we're a church of healing, okay? We're a house of hope, and we're a house of healing to our community. Now, it's important that we build our doctrine on the foundation of Scripture, not on the foundation of experience or on lack of experience, The first question that gets asked when I talk about healing. Did you see how quiet it got? That was amazing. That was funny. I did not expect that to happen. That was great. The, the, The first question that I get asked, probably the most prominent question that I get asked when I start talking about healing is the question, why doesn't everybody get healed? And I'm here to tell you, it's a great question. It's a great question. And... The answer is great and simple. I would, I would do what Jesus does every time somebody asks Jesus a question in the Gospels. Just about every time he asks them a follow-up question. So I'm gonna, when, when, when people ask me the question, why don't everybody get healed? I always have a follow-up question, which is, why doesn't everybody get saved? Why doesn't everybody live free from sin? Why don't Christians uh, have a sound mind? The Bible says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but, a, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So there's soundness of mind is a promise in the scripture. Why doesn't everybody have a sound mind? Why isn't every single person on the planet healed, uh, saved? Wouldn't you say, wouldn't we make the argument that salvation is available for everybody? Yeah. Romans tells us that. For by one man's offense, death reigned through the one. For by one man's righteous deed, now righteousness is available to everybody. Well, so how come everybody doesn't get saved? Well, there's a billion reasons for that, right? Because there's a billion people that aren't saved. So there's a, I heard a preacher say this one time. I thought it was so good. He said, every single situation stands on its own merit. I thought that was a very wise thing to say. How come every Christian doesn't have a fantastic marriage? Is it because God doesn't want them to have it? No. 
is because that every marriage looks a little different and every marriage stands on its own merit. And there are things that God may want to do in a person's marriage that he can't do because the husband and the wife are kind of getting in the way of the process. Right? So the, so the better question is not, why doesn't everybody get healed? The better question is, Lord, am I blocking my own healing? Is there something in the process that I am getting in the way of? Have I, have I jammed up the pipeline for my own healing? It's amazing to me, and I don't say this to be mean or rude or anything, but it's amazing to me how people will believe that healing is God's will until they get sick. That we, we, this is another quote that I heard from a preacher. We judge everybody else by what they do, and we judge ourselves by our intentions. Right? Because you're the only one who knows your own intentions. You're the only one who knows what's in your own heart. So we, 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 I don't know what's in my wife's heart all the time, so I oftentimes will judge her based on what she does, and she'll judge me based on what I do, but then I give myself a free pass because I knew my intentions were good. I was an idiot, but I knew my intentions were good, right? This is what people do with healing all the time. They say, well, I have the intention. I want to get healed, but I'm going to give myself a free pass. I'm not going to take the responsibility for what happens in my own life. It's easier for me to say that maybe it's God's will to be healed. Maybe it's not God's will to be healed. I'll put that on God's side of the equation, and I'm just going to do me. It's quiet in here this morning. Selah, that's a, that's a thing to think about. And a lot of times, listen, a lot of times people in my particular uh, vein of Christianity, a lot of times people who grew up the way I grew up, when somebody would, would ask the question, why, does, why doesn't everybody get healed? We would just automatically get offended at that question and be like, well, duh, it's God's will to heal, idiot. You know, just be rude. But it's a very important question to ask. We shouldn't get, we shouldn't get judgmental or critical when somebody asks why. It's actually an opportunity for us to go back to the word and find an answer. Amen. When somebody says why, it's a great opportunity to point us back to scripture. So why doesn't everybody get healed? Well, there's a thousand different reasons. Maybe they have faith. Maybe they don't. Maybe they have faith or maybe they sound like they have faith, but they don't. Maybe I'm saying all the right words, but in my heart, I really don't believe God. Maybe the enemy's got in there and gotten into my mind, and even though I'm trying to have faith, the enemy's jamming me up and blocking me up to go, well, I don't know if it really is God's will to heal me or not. There's a thousand and one variables that happen inside the heart and mind of a person that you or I will never know about. And when we lose a person in our life or when somebody gets sick and we don't have an answer for it, we just oftentimes we go to God's side of the equation and we say, well, it must not be God's will. Or maybe it's God's will sometimes and maybe it isn't other times. Do you know what that is when we do that? That's called building a doctrine on an experience instead of building a doctrine on what the word says. We can't do that, guys. We can't build a doctrine on an experience or a lack of an experience. All I have to go on when, it, when, it, when it's time for me to believe God's will, all I have to go on is in these pages. Yeah. 
And I say all I have to go on, not as though that's a negative thing. All I have to go on is the eternal written word of God. I mean, it's a lot to go on. It's a great foundation to build your life upon. That's why Jesus said it was the one who built his house upon the rock that that stood the test of time. What is the rock? This is the rock. This is the rock. This is the foundation that we build our lives on. Amen. It's the word. The word of the living God. And in his word, he says that he forgives not some of our iniquities, that he heals not some of our diseases, but that word that's used in verse 3, you can put it back up on the screen if you would, please. Thank you. Forgives all of our iniquities. Aren't you glad that Jesus doesn't stop short of the really icky sins? (laughs) Right? Well, listen, I'll forgive you for the white lie you told, as though lies come in colors. I don't know. But I'll forgive, I'll forgive you for that little lie you told. And uh, I'll forgive you because you cheated on your taxes back in 87. And I'll forgive you for that one time you kicked the neighbor's cat and that time that you littered. But not going to forgive you. Not going to forgive you for the way you treated your wife. Aren't you glad that God doesn't, doesn't categorize which sins he's going to forgive and which sins he's not going to forgive? He just says, I'll forgive all your iniquities. He's just that good, guys. He's just that gracious. He's just that, he's just that easygoing that he's willing to forgive me of every single sin that I commit. Glory to God. Now, that's not just for saved people or unsaved people. That's for everybody. Tell your neighbor, everybody. Now tell your other neighbor, everybody. Just take a few letters out. Everybody. That's for everybody, man. Come on, this is not just for this is not just for one good person and then this guy over here, he just doesn't cut the, you know, he just doesn't li- uh, live up to the standard. He doesn't cut the mustard, so he's just he doesn't get to he doesn't get to have his sins forgiven. No, he'll forgive every sin of every person. The question mark in our mind is this. Who is willing to receive what God has done for them. If he forgives all my uh, my iniquities, and if he heals all of my diseases, then the question comes, uh, the question surfaces, who of those all is willing to receive what he's done? The reason that not everybody gets healed, and it's maybe an oversimplified answer, but it's the right one biblically. The reason not everybody gets healed is that not everybody receives healing. Now, there's a thousand and one reasons why they don't receive healing. Just like there's a thousand and one reasons why people don't receive salvation. Just like there's a thousand and one reasons why people don't receive wholeness in their mind. Or peace in their marriage or whatever. It's like we're we're talking in, in, uh, in one of our small groups, the small group that Brianna and I happen to be a part of this, this cycle, uh, is Beyond Blessed, a book by Pastor Robert Morris at the Honeycutt's house. And we've been learning about God's intention for us to be super blessed. And there are, get, get this guys, there's principles that we're learning in that book that go along with God's intention to bless us, right? Here's the, here's the key. God's intention to bless us is the same no matter what. The principles that we're learning are the things that help me to receive his blessing. 
So there are principles. Listen, if you, if you don't hear anything else I say today, hear this. There is God's intention and there are principles. God's intention is for him. God's principles are for me. And the reason they're for me is because the principles are there to help me receive. There are principles in the word that if we learn them and operate by them, it will help us to receive the healing that God has in store for us. Amen. I want you to know I say this with total boldness and total confidence in the word. It's God's will to heal everybody all the time. It's God's unequivocal will to heal every single person of everything all the time. The question is, will we receive what he's done? And if we, here's the thing. Let me take the pressure off for a second. If we don't, he still loves us. If we don't receive everything that he's done for us, it doesn't change his opinion of us. Amen. If I don't, if I, listen, if I get sick and I don't receive healing and I die and go on to be with Jesus, guess what? He's still going to welcome me into heaven just like he would have if I would have received healing. His opinion of me, his love for me doesn't change. Right? And, and the, I, I hope that that, I hope that that takes the pressure off for a second. Because something that happens sometimes is that when we start to talk about healing, we start putting pressure on ourselves. That, brother, i got to crank it up my faith. i got to ratchet up my faith so that I can get this healing. Then I just get really red. And nothing else happens. I just get extra sweaty, you know. And then I go, well, why didn't I get healed? I got so worked up about it. God's not looking at your worked up. He's not looking at your worked up. He's looking at your heart. And, 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 and here's the thing, the honest heart, the Bible says in John chapter 4, and this is a scripture about worship, but it apply, the, the, the principle applies here. Jesus told the woman at the well, he said, the Father is seeking those that would worship me in spirit and in truth. The word truth I believe in that scripture points to honesty and openness. When I worship God, I don't do so holding anything back. Oh, Lord Jesus, I worship you, but I'm going to hold on to this sin for a few minutes. No, the, the word to worship him in truth means I don't hold anything back. The same is true when it comes to receiving healing. I'm not going to hide and hold back. I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to try to present something to God that's not honest. So if I need healing in my life, the best thing I can do is go talk to God honestly. Not pretend like I have faith, but actually say, Lord, I'm struggling in this area. Can you please help me? I need healing in my life, and Lord, I, I, I know what the Word says, and Lord, help me to believe it. Don't come to God pretending as though He can't see everything anyways. As though He doesn't already know every prayer you're going to pray before you even pray it. Right? So we, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves sometimes. Pressure to work up a miracle. You can't work up a miracle. You don't have the capacity to do that. Nobody does. Only thing I can do is learn how to receive. Learn how to receive what God has made available to me and to you. So take the pressure off. Here's another thing that'll take the pressure off. You ready? It, there's no bad way to get healed. Thank you, Cac. Appreciate that. Hallelujah. 
there's just no bad way to get healed, okay? Remember the, the verse we quoted at the beginning? The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus came to give us life and that abundant. Jesus is in the life and more abundantly life business. The devil's in the break you down, steal from you, kill you business. And, and so as long as I'm in pursuit of healing, there's no bad way to do that. That's God's will for my life. If you're taking notes, please write this down. It's God's will for you to be healed. But pastor, what about it's God's will for you to be healed? But pastor, what about it's God's will for you to be healed? Now, I have in my own life many, many times been my own worst enemy when it comes to receiving from God. I have been my own worst enemy when it comes to receiving healing. I'll tell you two stories. The first one was a time that I was having some, I had done something wretched to my back. I don't know what I had done to my back, but it was bad. And I had to drive to somewhere, I think it was Hickory maybe, I had to drive down the mountain to go to an appointment, and I didn't even want to get out of bed that morning. And so, but I'm like, well, you know, praise God, I'm going to speak to the mountain, and the mountain's going to move. Glory to God. You know, I just get all Pentecostal and get, you know, just get excited. And I, and I said, I'm going to get in the car, and I'm going to start speaking to my back. So I started speaking to my back, speaking to my back, speaking to my back. And the more I would speak to it, the more nothing happened. And I said, Finally, I was about in the car, maybe 20, 30 minutes. And I finally, I just said, Lord, what's the deal? I know the word. I believe you're the healer. I mean, you said you heal all our diseases. I'm trusting you by Jesus' stripes. I'm healed. I know what the Bible says. I know what to declare. I know what to quote. I grew up in the right house for that, you know. Lord, I'm doing all the right things. And you know what the Holy Spirit said to me? He said, no, you're not. (laughs) Well, thank you, sir. (laughs) Appreciate that. I said, I'm doing all the right stuff, and my back's still hurting. And he said this. He said, no. He said, you're not doing all the right stuff. And he said, the reason is you keep judging my word based on how you feel. You keep questioning my word based on how you feel. In other words, Lord, I'm quoting all the right scriptures, and the right scriptures don't seem to be working. Look at how much pain I'm in. And he said, no, 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 that's not how this works. Go to Romans chapter 4, if you would. Romans chapter 4. I love how the Holy Spirit weaves these things together. And I didn't put enough product in my hair this morning, so it's kind of being rebellious. It's just doing its own thing. (laughs) Romans chapter 4. Let's begin around, I want to say verse 19. Yeah, verse 19 is the one. Here it is. Check this out. Check this out. This will help you so much, guys. Romans chapter 4, verse 19 says, And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body. Now, before we continue with this scripture, who are we talking about? Anybody know Romans well? Abraham, right? Father Abraham. Had many sons, many sons had Father Abraham. All right, that's who we're talking about. Father Abraham, and he was not being weak in faith, the Bible says. How was he not weak in faith, Paul? It was Paul who wrote Romans. How was he not weak in faith, Paul? 
was real simple. He didn't consider his own body nearly dead. Since he was about a hundred years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Now check this out. Let's give a little context for a second. God shows up one day when Abraham's about 75. It's a pretty good day to meet God when you're 75, I guess. God shows up to him when he's 75-ish. And he says, Abraham, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. Now, Abraham and Sarah have been married a long time. And they ain't had any kids. In fact, they, they, there was three specific hurdles in Abraham's life when it came time to receive God's promise. God's promise was, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. He, he took him, matter of fact, he took him outside of his tent and he said, Abraham, look up, look at the stars. So shall your descendants be, Abraham. I'm going to give you that many kids. And, and Abe's like, yeah, sure you are. Yeah, right. Lord, I'm almost 100 years old. My wife is 90. A real spring chicken. Right? And, and, and so, so hurdle number one is Abraham's 100. Hurdle number two is Sarah is 90. Hurdle number three is they've been trying to have kids since in the, they were in like their 20s. Lord, we've been married almost a century, and, and uh, we have not been able to conceive, Lord. This ain't working. I don't know. You might have the wrong Abraham. I think he's a few tents down that way. You got the wrong guy, Lord. They got these big issues standing in their way, old age and infertility for decades, and dead ain't never been able to have a baby. But the Bible says that Abraham was not weak in faith. So what does it mean to not be weak in faith? It means he didn't consider or glorify the circumstance. One of the reasons, guys, that we get in our own way, and I say this with absolute, I'm trying to be as gentle as I can, but it is at the same time a harsh truth. One of the reasons that we get in our own way is we consider the circumstance more than we consider the word. Just like I did that day in my car, I'm quoting all the right scriptures and I'm trying them in different formulas and different orders. And you know, maybe I got to say this one first. Maybe I got to do this one first. And I, in the meantime, I'm complaining to God, Lord, your word ain't working. And he's like, no, 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 man, it doesn't work that way. You're considering the pain too much. You're grading, you're grading my, my word based on how bad it hurts. I'll tell you, Another story, by the way, the end of that, the end of that story is good. I, I came home, and I kept confessing the word, and I went to bed, and I woke up fine the next day. And God is good. One time, I was in my bedroom, and my wife will remember this, and I've even, I think, shared this with you. Y'all doing okay? Yeah. I hope these stories help, because the stories help to drive these things home. I woke up, as had been happening for probably the better part of a year, I woke up in the middle of the night with, a, with incredible abdominal pain. And I had this spot in particular that was hurting really, really bad. And it was, if you've ever had like acute abdominal pain, you realize it's like debilitating. You can't do anything. You can't get comfortable. You can't sleep. You can't be awake. You can't, it's just, there's no good position to be in. It just hurts. And so I had been up for 
a couple hours really frustrated by this, really in pain. And, and I had been dealing with this. I'd had these episodes once every couple of months for about a year. And I was, I'll never forget this. I'm laying on my bed, my feet dangling off the edge. And I'm laying on my bed because I was like putting pressure on my midsection. It was like the only thing I could do to get kind of comfortable-ish. And I'm talking to the Lord and I'm quoting the word and I'm standing and I'm praying and I'm, and, I'm, and I'm just reminding myself of what the scripture says. And I'm standing and it's a battle and it was a fight and it was tough. And I got to the place where I said, Lord, right now my mind is going a thousand miles an hour telling me that not only is healing not for me, not only is healing not your will, not only is healing not for today, I'm going, my mind is racing. I said, not only am I, am I having to deal with these thoughts that I can't be healed, I'm having to deal with thoughts that, Lord, you don't even exist. How many of you have ever been in a tight moment, in a situation where it gets really intense and the thoughts that come to your mind are like, man, what am I even believing in God for at all? I don't, I don't even think he's, I, maybe he's just not even real. And that's the condition I was in on my bed. And I knew that in my heart I believed God for healing, but I had this war going on in my head. And so I said this, and I was trying not to be loud because it was the middle of the night. My, my dear wife was sleeping, trying to sleep. And I just said, Lord, this is exactly what I said. Lord, I've believed you this far. Why change now? Why should I stop believing in you now? You've been faithful to get me to this point in my life. You've blessed me. I mean, if I went back and counted the ways, I could count the ways that you've been faithful. So why would I change now? And boy, those thoughts went away immediately. I just, you know, I just drew a line in the sand. I said, no, I'm not going to believe that about my God. And so I went into the, to the, to the restroom. We have a little bathroom connected to our, our room. And so I went there and I was sitting on the toilet and, you know, I mean, clothed and, you know, the toilet was closed. I don't want to give the wrong impression. I was sitting on the toilet there just kind of because it was something to sit on, you know. And so I'm sitting there kind of doubled over and my wife comes in. And she's like ticked because she's like, we've been putting up with this for too long. We've been, we've been tolerating this in our home for too long, this stomach pain thing. So she comes and she puts her hand on my shoulder and she just prays something for me. In fact, it was so simple. I don't even remember what it was. It was something like be healed in Jesus name. It was a simple, simple prayer. And you know what happened? Nothing. Yet, nothing yet. Here's why it ties into Abraham's story. Because that pain was screaming so loud in my body and because my mind was screaming so loud with all kinds of God isn't real, healing's not for today, you're a retard and an idiot for believing this, shut up and just curse God and die. That's what Job's friends told him to do. Remember? Actually, it wasn't his friends, it was his wife. <laughs> We're gonna leave that alone, but he says... His, <laughs> his wife, I got a better wife than Job had, praise God. She prayed for me, amen. But Job's wife, Job's wife comes and says, you know what you ought to do? You ought to curse God and die. It's true. And in that moment, that's what my mind wanted to do. Lord, am I, why am I believing in you? You're not doing a thing for me. And my wife comes in and prays for me. 
And those thoughts started to quiet down. I said that nothing happened. Nothing happened physically yet, but those thoughts started to quiet down. And here's what the Holy, once those thoughts quieted down, here's what the Holy Spirit said to me. He said, son, worship me. He said, worship me. I said, okay. And I began to worship God. And somewhere in the worship, I don't know when it was. And the reason I don't know when it was, because when I began to worship him, I considered not my own body. It was when I got to the moment of hearing him, hearing him speak and turning my attention towards him and towards his presence and towards his goodness, at some point, the pain just stopped. And, and listen, you can fight me tooth and nail over this for as long as I'm alive. I know a miracle when I see one. And here's why I know that was miraculous in that specific moment was because every other time this had happened in my body, the pain would ramp up real slow. It would get super intense for sometimes hours, eight, nine, ten hours. And then it would taper off and it would take a couple hours to taper off and then I would finally feel normal again. Then I couldn't eat for two days. This pain immediately left my body while I was worshiping him. I came out of my bedroom, bathroom, into the bedroom. I think my eyes were as big as baseballs. And I looked at my wife and I just said, it's gone. And, I, and here's the wild thing. You want to know what was so wild? I had so much energy. I didn't want to go to sleep. It was like three in the morning. I sat up in my bed laughing out loud. I'm not, I'm not making a word of this up. I sat in my bed and I'm just like, oh my God, I can't believe it's gone. I can't believe it's gone. I, I could have ran around the house. I had, I had such an infusion of life in that moment. And do you know why? It's because in that moment, God helped me to get to the place. I can't take credit for this. This wasn't my works. This wasn't my strong faith. Five minutes earlier, my mind's trying to convince me God doesn't even exist. So this ain't Josh is really a man of faith and power. Glory to God. And it's not about that. It's about his grace intervened in that situation. And I got to the place where I could take my mind off of the pain just long enough to put my eyes on him. And as soon as I did that, there came the healing. You see, it's never about whether or not it's God's will to heal. It's always about whether or not we are in the position to receive. And here, let me further take the pressure off for you. The Bible says God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Do you know what you need in your life in order to get into the position to receive? You need grace. Let's, let's get rid of this notion that I'll get healed because my faith is so perfect. Let's get rid of that notion for just a second. Let's get rid of the notion that I'm going to get healed because I said all the right scriptures in the right order. And my faith formula worked. The reason 
that we can believe, number one, that it's God's will to heal everybody every time, and number two, that I can be one of the everybodies no matter which time, is because God is a gracious God. Yeah. He, let, let me tell you something. Jesus didn't have to heal you. Didn't have to. But he did because he wanted to. He did because he wanted to. I want to read you one more scripture and then, uh, and then we'll, sh- we'll shut down for the day. It's Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah chapter 53. Don't you love how the Holy Spirit weaves these things together? I had no intention of talking to you about any of this stuff today. But God is just so good. He knew we needed to hear it this morning. He knew we needed to hear this. Isaiah chapter 53. It's the last verse we'll look at. Verse 4. Actually, let's start in verse 3. Sorry, guys. He is despised and rejected by men. Who's this, who's this talking about? Real quick. Jesus. This is talking about Jesus, isn't it? This is one of those prophecies that was talking about Jesus. 600 and some odd years before Jesus even came, Isaiah prophesied this. I'm talking about such incredible detail about the crucifixion. 600 years, six centuries prior to Jesus coming, Isaiah gets this word. He is despised and he's rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Yeah, I'd say so. Crucifixion's a nasty business. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. You remember what the disciples did when Jesus was crucified? They went and hid in an upper room. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely, verse 4, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Makes me think of that. You remember that old Leslie Nielsen movie where he goes, don't call me Shirley? Y'all remember that? Okay, sorry. That was a little rabbit trailer. Surely he has borne our griefs. And carried our sorrows. The word for griefs in the Hebrew is the word sickness. The word for sorrows in the Hebrew is the word pain. Now you can't get any clearer than that in Scripture. Surely he has borne our sicknesses and carried our pains. Where did he bear our sicknesses to? Where did he carry our pains to? Took him to the cross, didn't he? Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Watch the next verse, verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Now before we go any farther, what what does this tell us about what Jesus did at the cross? It tells us, you'll notice, that he didn't just take my transgressions and my iniquities. Those are both, different, both words for sin in the Hebrew there. Transgressions, if you want to know what they are. Transgressions are sins you don't realize you're committing. Iniquities are sins you know exactly what you're doing when you do them. Anybody had some of those in their life? Yeah, I know this is a bad idea. I'm going to do it anyway. Okay, those, those are two different words for sin. He, was, he went to the cross carrying my sin. 
And he went to the cross carrying my sicknesses and my diseases and my pains. What does this tell us about the redemptive work of Jesus? It tells me that because he died on the cross, I can believe him and be saved. And it also tells me that because he died on the cross, I can believe him and be healed. The same faith, again, let me take the pressure off. Let me make it easy for you. The same faith that you got saved with is the same faith you can get healed with too. Amen. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. That's a, that word chastisement is a big $6 word for discipline. When I you know, discipline my children, I'm chastising them. It's a Victorian English word. Who wants to get a chastisement? No, listen to mommy, listen to daddy, or I'm going to give you a chastisement. It's just easier to say spanking. (laughs) Claire said, amen. (laughs) The the discipline that was required, watch this. This This line, we just skip over this line sometimes in this verse, but it's so important, so powerful. The, The discipline that was required for our peace You know what that word is in the Hebrew? Who knows? Shalom. What does that word mean? It means nothing missing, nothing broken. The the discipline that was required, the scourging, the, the heavenly spanking that had to be taken by somebody in order for us to have a nothing missing, nothing broken, wholeness connection to God was put on him. And by his stripes, I am healed. This tells me that for all of time and eternity, salvation and healing will always go together. Isn't it amazing that in Psalm 103, he said he forgives all our iniquities and heals all our diseases. He redeems my life from destruction. He crowns me with loving kindness and tender mercies. He satisfies my mouth with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagle. He has such good, perfect intentions for my life. The only thing is that sometimes I get in my own way from receiving it. Lord, maybe there's a principle that I need to learn in your word that the principle is what will help me to receive. Wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him. By his stripes, we are healed. I want to tell you this morning You don't have to be sick anymore. (laughs) And listen, I know, I know that you've had experiences in your life that would try to present themselves as contrary to that reality. I'm thinking back to times in my own life when I lost people that were close to me that I shouldn't have had to lose. I was thinking about it this morning. Both my grandmothers died, in my estimation, before their time. My grandmother Thurman, my, my dad's mom, Teresa, 
She was, what a sweet lady she was. She was amazing. She was a, a very light-skinned, plump Irish lady. She had red hair. She made the best cups of tea. You would go to Grandma Thurman's house and have tea, and you could sit there all afternoon. She would just make tea, and it was wonderful. And she died early. She had lung cancer. And my other grandma, my nonna, the Italian grandmother, she was really short, had a very thick accent, kind of funny. She was a beautiful lady, but some of those old Italian people just got some funny-looking knobs and hair shooting out of places. And you... <laughs> I, me- I remember I had to... I, I remember I had to... Get... <laughs> I... I remember I had to give my mom's godmother a kiss once when I was a kid, and she's got a few hairs sticking out of a, of a spot, kind of got a mustache, you know? Them old Italian folks, God bless them, man. They're hard as, hard as a rock. But my nonna, she, she died when she was 74. She should have lived well into her 80s. She was a tough lady, but she had leukemia. And what's amazing is that Both of these ladies knew Jesus. Both of them were Christians. And as a matter of fact, my nona, they they were both Catholics and they went to Catholic church very consistently, very religiously. And my nona used to go to Catholic mass in the morning on Sundays. And I think her mass was probably only 20 or 25 minutes long. So she would go to mass and then she would leave mass and come to our church. And she would get there just in time for the loud praise and worship music to be done because she didn't like it so loud. And she would get there just in time to hear my dad preach. So she got, you know, two for the price of one. They both knew the Lord. But sickness took both of their lives. And it would be really, 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 really easy for me to get cynical about that and say, Lord, you know, what's the deal? You said you forgive us of all of our iniquities and you heal us of all of our diseases. This is your word. It would be really easy for me to get cynical about that. In fact, that's what I was doing that day in my car when I was quoting the word and my back didn't seem to be getting any better. I was getting cynical and I was getting angry and saying, Lord, what's the deal, man? Come on. You're supposed to be faithful and here you are. Here I am filled with pain. And the Lord had to tweak my heart. I had to lay down my pride so that I could become humble, so that God could give me grace. Because he resists the proud and he gives grace to the humble. So I know that your situations, everybody's got situations where they've had, where the enemy has come and stolen and killed and destroyed. If we were to pass the microphone around, everybody could say that's happened in their life. That does not change the reality of who God says that he is. Let me put it on the record once and for all. It's the thief who steals and kills and destroys. It's God who came to give us life and more abundantly. And and whatever has happened or hasn't happened in my life does not have the authority to change that about who he is. Jesus, or God says in in Exodus chapter 15, he said, I am the God that heals thee. It's the word Jehovah Rapha in the Hebrew. And it means I am the all-sufficient, self-created God who gives healing to you. 
Nobody has the authority to say he was the God who heals us. He said, I am the God who heals us. You and I do not get to change that to a he was the God that heals us. So here's the thing. What am I driving at today? Let's all get to the place of humility where we say, Lord, if I'm blocking my own healing, if I'm standing in the way of receiving, then Lord, would you show that to me? Lord, if I prayed and nothing happened, I'm going to have the humility to go back and pray again. I'm going to have the humility to say, Father, help me to discern what's going on in my life. And I'm going to tell you what is going to happen when that happens. When you do that, do you want to know what's going to happen? You're going to receive grace, first of all, because God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And you know what else is going to happen? God's going to tell you one of two things. He's either going to take you back to his word and show you something that you were missing. He's going to, he's going to be so gracious, like a father helping their child to ride a bike. He's going to say, no, 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 baby. No, no, no. Put your, put your foot on this pedal and keep it moving. He's going he's gonna to get right down to where you are and he's going to take you into the word and he's going to show you what it was that was missing. Or he's going to say, you got everything you need. So having done all the stand, you keep standing until this thing changes. There is no retreat in God. Let me say that again. There is no retreat in God. Somebody said this this week. He, he gives provision for his plan in our lives to move forward, but he doesn't give provision for running backwards. He doesn't give provision for retreat. Sometimes your healing may require that you just stand on the word of God and say, I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it feels like. I'm going to keep believing God and I'm going to be healed. I'm going to receive my healing. And then sometimes God will take you back to his word and say, hey, you know what? Let's make a little adjustment over here. Let's, let's, let's tweak your love walk. Let's, let's, uh, let's exercise some forgiveness in this area. Hey, you, you're, you're being bitter in this area. You're holding on to something you shouldn't hold. Let go of that. And then boom, all of a sudden the healing will work. It's amazing. God will show you exactly what's missing. He'll show you exactly what to do so that you can walk in the healing that belongs to you. But you won't get there if you don't humble your heart and say, Lord, I need grace. I know, Lord, you resist the proud, but you give grace to the humble. Would you give me the grace that I need so that I can receive everything you've made available for me? Let's stand up to our feet today. We hope that this message inspired you and filled your heart with faith. If you would like to visit our church, check out www.highcountrychristian.com for service times and location information. Thanks again for listening to this audio presentation from High Country Christian Church, where Jesus loves you, we love you, and your life counts.